I'm really pleased to be here today. Um, I'm going to be talking uh, about a project that um, my colleagues and I are doing for the Staff and Educational Development Association. Uh, one of my colleagues is based at Kent, that's me, Lee, and the other colleague is based at UCL's Institute of Education. And what we're trying to do is to look at the experiences of international GTAs and see if they need any extra support if the support that we have at Kent um, is appropriate for them. And we're approaching it through a kind of uh, set of creative practices as well to see um, whether that sort of enhances their reflective experiences. So I've got two aims today. I was going to try and go through some of the activities that we do with the students and just kind of try and talk about the benefits and the drawbacks as a way to working towards evaluating the provision. And I'm also going to try and just report a little bit on what we've been finding out talking to international students. So what we've been doing, we've done a survey, we've, uh, we've been doing a number of workshops, and I've also been interviewing international students as well. And when I say international, I'm starting off with Tier 4 students, so students who come from Tier 4 countries. I'm not going to talk about um, students from Europe. I have interviewed some, but I haven't included them um, in what I'm doing today. Okay, so... Um, just a very quick intro to what training looks like at Kent. So we've got, um, as we mentioned, the PhD students who are contracted to teach as part of their scholarship. We've also got postgraduates who teach but don't have the teaching attached to a scholarship. So we've got that kind of complication. Um, we've got something called the Associate Fellowship Scheme, which leads to Associate Fellowship at the Higher Education Academy. This is accredited. It's compulsory for all our graduate teaching assistants uh, who have scholarships. Then we've got school training, and then we've got the graduate school training. And our project is taking place within these, uh, this training. So that's our research development programme, and it's voluntary, so people can choose to come along. But as you can imagine, when we're looking at the, the press results, and it's asking about formal training, well, what formal training? You know, they might be talking about one or any of these. Okay, so I was going to, as Julie mentioned, get you to get a little bit hands-on just for about 10 minutes um, to get you to kind of try an activity that we do with our students. Um, and that is, you can't see it, I don't think, but you might have seen it initially. There's a table of Lego and sort of plastic animals and people around the other side there. So I just wanted to take 10 minutes, if that's all right, um, to ask you to basically go and use the Lego and the animals to build a model of what you think good teaching is. And then I want you to find somebody, maybe someone you haven't spoken to before, okay, and just sort of try and explain your model and what you found out doing that. So we'll just take 10 minutes to go and build a model, find somebody and have a quick chat with them, and then... If we can reconvene him just after 25 past, that would be brilliant. Thank you. Okay, I think we're all back and I haven't lost anybody, hopefully. Um, so, I mean, I'll, I'll come on to the sort of um, responses uh, in a minute. I just wanted to take you through... Um, what, how our students found that exercise. So when we did this exercise with international students, I apologise for the blurriness of this one. Um, 
So we asked our students, you know, what, what do you think good teaching is? This one has an alien as a teacher, and as you can see, there's this kind of green coming from the alien, <laughs> building up the students. But what's really interesting about this model is there's red from the students going back and building up the teacher, or blue building up the teacher. So there's this kind of idea that teachers are learners and learners are teachers, which comes back in this model as well. So if the teacher is in the middle here, and these are all the students going on this kind of collective journey over the threshold. This one, we've got the teacher has a drill, so getting rid of the barriers between the international teacher and the students here. And this is a kind of, uh, kind of sort of step up of being a good teacher, all the different sort of stages of it. And along the way, you'll see these kind of little, little pieces here. And these were the students. So the students are going on this journey of good teaching along with the teacher as well. We asked our students as well to envisage this in a slightly different way. So rather than building individual models to come up with infographics about what makes good teaching. Um, and what was quite striking about this, the international students focused on safety in the classroom, making their students feel safe. Um, so here it was around safety that their students might be able to articulate and explore complex and difficult topics. Here, I don't know if you can see, but there's a kind of cage and the bars are being taken off. And the safety here was that students might be taken to a kind of like a different space or something kind of unexpected. So one of the international students described being taken out of the teaching location to somewhere else. Um, as an architecture student, she was made to talk to the people who might experience her design and they evaluated it. So the teaching experience that she'd had before made her feel safe enough to then move to this other space. <laughs> Um, so those are a couple of the things that have come out in the workshops with our international students. Um, I was just going to mention another couple of activities that we've done with them. So uh, we do collage, um, and this is really great for kind of peeling back the layers of identity. Um, so this student, who is an art student, uh, when asked to sort of think about who do you want to be as a teacher, she sort of talked about the past, what you bring with you, kind of where you're at now and then who you want to become and all of these kind of coexisting as you're teaching. Um, we also get people to bring objects with them as well um, and talk about specific things like who am I as a teacher, who am I as a researcher and so again that's really good for kind of peeling back the layers of identity, thinking about uh, mm -hmm. you know all the different things that kind of contribute to, to who they are. And I think for international students, that's really important. A lot of them bring substantial teaching experiences with them, uh, you know, and it's recognising that I think is really important. Um, another activity that we've done with them is drawing. Some are a bit more reluctant to do this because they're like, oh, it's not going to be very good. It doesn't matter. Um, so for this one, um, this was about sort of describing their teaching philosophy. This student's drawn the kind of hypothetical classroom here, and as you can see, everybody's kind of equal. They're all sitting around in the classroom. <laughs> this is a physical space, and she's, uh, what she's done here is there, she's identified a couple of chairs that look different, so she moves it, those out of the way. And in each class, she'll kind of sit in a different space, so she's not always at the head of the table. And all of her students get pens as well, so everybody's kind of contributing. In this one, the teacher, it's kind of in the centre of these two groups who are kind of exchanging ideas amongst themselves and with each other as well. 
I guess what I'm getting at here is this kind of theme of collective learning with good teaching comes back again and again with our international students. Um, so in terms of how this works, um, you know, whether, it's a, whether it works well, you know, what could be improved, I'm not sure if you can see the quotes at the back, but I will just um, refer to them. There are some really good things about using creative activities in the classroom. So, I mean, as you experienced there, everybody got talking, I think. You know, everybody was sort of exchanging experiences. It's very equalising. I've had um, another occasion where I took Lego and I didn't have any tables. And so we all sat on the floor, you know, when we had senior managers and, uh, you know, sort of PhD students starting out and everybody was kind of joining in. So it's a great kind of icebreaker. And I think, Richard, you made that point as well when, when we were chatting. It's a real equaliser. Um, it's also really good for exploring kind of complexities of identity. And we heard from, from Ruth. Um, particularly about all those kind of multiple roles that students uh, are kind of occupying. So it's really good at kind of peeling those back. Um, and another thing that I think it does is that it's a way of kind of validating the students' experiences as well. So often they don't necessarily get to articulate or explore how their previous teaching experiences um, can impact on you know, their teaching in the learning environment in UK higher education. And I just wanted to point to Laura Rendon's uh, validation theory. So Laura Rendon is, a, I think, a professor in an American university in, in education. She's a Mexican-American, and so what she writes about is minority students coming to uh, higher education, perhaps even for the first time, and basically trying to make a space for them and allow them to make a space for themselves in that environment. And so her idea is that, you know, one, some of the things that we have to do to ensure that they realise their potential is to recognise the rich reservoir of learning that they bring with them, to see them as partners. That's one of the sort of difficulties as well. You talked about students who were getting frustrated because they were being handed the module outlines. You know, people want to bring their teaching experience and be able to contribute to curriculum and things like this. And this theme as well, that teachers are learners and learners are teachers. So being able to see their contribution. So I found this really useful. And I think, in a way, one of the things that the creative activities do is they validate um, our students because they give a space where they can explore some of the things that they bring with them um, and the possible identities that they could hope to develop through that kind of teaching process, being a researcher and a, and a teacher as well. There are, of course, drawbacks. Um, so one of the sort of difficulties or things that need to be thought about using particularly creative activities where, as I said, you're peeling the layers back, is there might be emotions associated with it, difficult experiences perhaps. Um, and so those kind of activities need to be kind of really boundaried. So we try really hard to make sure that um, when we're setting them out, you know, we give them a time limit, um, you know, a, a very specific theme to think about. They're not sort of ruminating on something. It's in a kind of group context often, and it's generally one or two of us. So 
Jen, who I work with, um, is a trained therapist. I'm a coach and we're basically floating around, sort of listening out for anything that sounds a little bit, okay, well then we need to pull it back. So that's kind of really important. Um, I didn't run over anyone's feet on the way here, which was good with my massive um, sort of baggage. But um, there is a kind of practical aspect with um, in, uh, creative activities. They're quite messy, you know. I've had to sort of try and coordinate with Julie when we're going to kind of clear it up. Um, and the other thing I think about it that um, perhaps is disadvantageous is that it's um, something that people experience, I think, best when they're there doing it in the moment. So we tried actually kind of giving people little pots of Lego to take away and then having a kind of online reflections group, but that didn't really get a massive amount of sign up. So it's something that people really like to do face to face, I think. Okay, so those are some of the sort of pitfalls and drawbacks, but um, I just wanted to report quickly on some of the things um, that we're sort of finding out in our study. And this is work in progress. So I've done some of the interviews, I've done some of it, it may well change. So this is kind of where we're thinking now. When I was putting together the application for the, the seed of funding, I was looking at this model from Brown and Holloway of how international students adjust to UK higher education. And I was thinking, is that a model that might work for GTAs? What um, Brown and Holloway talk about is there's this kind of shock of arrival and then there's three kind of strategies that international students can adopt to cope with it. So they can choose a kind of multiculturalism approach whereby they kind of integrate and you know their cultures meld with that of uh, UK or they might choose to kind of segregate themselves, maybe stay with their own group, um, not integrate, or they may choose the option of being marginalised where they kind of take on elements but but still sort of stay outside uh, this option. And you can see there's different stages that they kind of map out. And as I went on with the, the workshops and the interviews, I was like, I don't think it's like that for, for the GTAs. So here's my take on it. I think, uh, and perhaps I'm oversimplifying here, but I think there's a kind of continuum in a way where some students find UK higher education kind of quite porous to come into. Maybe they feel like, you know, they love teaching, they've always wanted to be a teacher, they kind of watch the stuff in movies and films and it's actually not too much of a kind of cultural bump to come here. And then for other students, and these, you know, not necessarily ones who, for whom English is a second language, the institution is this kind of weird maze where you think you're going one way and then suddenly something else happens and you, you're not really quite sure where you are. Um, and so what I thought I would do is kind of plot my interviewees on the kind of sliding scale of whether they thought the institution was kind of pretty porous or whether it's this kind of Escher sort of maze against whether they felt validated in their teaching experience or whether they, there was a kind of lack of validation. Um, and as I say, work in progress, so may or change, but um, there seem to be some sort of different groupings coming out. So the first was there was a group, I say a group, there's only two, but um, there's a group that um, sort of felt really positive about teaching. They felt very validated either by their students, you know, who were kind of following them, asking for advice, or within their department they got a lot of support from peers, 
um, who were also teaching, and they found it relatively easy to adjust to um, higher education and teaching in higher education. Then there's another group who are pretty positive about teaching. So for them, there may have been a few bumps. Perhaps there was more scope for validation, and you know it wasn't necessarily as smooth sailing as these guys, but generally they were pretty positive about the teaching experience that they were having. There was another group who had had some sort of cult shock, cultural shock, uh, whether it was the fact that the curriculum had completely changed since they were last here to um, something like, you know, I feel like I'm being constantly watched by the visa people. But even though for them the university was a bit of a maze, because they had validation, they were still able to be relatively positive about teaching. Some people have had quite negative experiences and they hadn't had support or validation to kind of move past it and so they felt relatively unmoored with their teaching. They felt like they were a little bit lost, they didn't know who to turn to uh, or what quite to do. And then my final group, um, so uh, a couple of the uh, interviewees were very kind of very much felt that the you know this was the kind of model of the uh, the UK institution. Just not really sure, uh, you know, how all the processes work and the kind of strange bureaucracies that mean although you're a staff member, you can't get a parking permit. You know all these kind of weird things, um, and they felt very much exploited because they were just sort of adrift. Um, so, and there's that guy. I don't know where he goes yet. Um, <laughs> so as I say, work in progress. Um, so yeah, there's this kind of broadly positive kind of area over here where there is sort of validation going on and then a kind of broadly negative area over here. And I suppose, um, you know, I've sort of talked a lot about validation. I kind of think that's sort of my role in a way is to help draw out the things that can allow people to, to feel like they belong. Um, but my last question, and perhaps this is not necessarily for now, but you know we can pick this up later on, is what can we, what do we need to consider? What can we do to support our international students? This is just a timeline of someone who experienced various different kind of difficulties on the way in to being an international teacher at the university. So have I have I done it in time? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> okay. Amazing. Probably spoke too fast. Sorry about that. Okay. Yeah, that's right. Thank you. Thank you.